Welcome to Talking at No One, the show where I, Aloni, hang out by myself and write the impossible, because I need to write it right now. This week, I'm nervous, and I'm not sure if this is going to work at all. But on this show, I'm always trying to push myself to do something incredibly insane, something that's so impossible that I have to do it, even though I'm scared to do it. So for years... I have studied a specific style of writing called The Hero's Journey. Joseph Campbell, he created this thing called the monomyth. It was the idea that every story that mankind ever makes that's worth telling has the exact same points that happen. The exact same plot points happen throughout the entire thing. And it's been changed a couple of times... More famously now, Dan Harmon's story circle takes that whole idea and squishes it into, you know, a a couple of sentences. I tried to make my own, The Seven Questions, which I have an entire show about, which is less like a hero's journey monolith thing and more just uh, a way for me to tell stories easier when I'm talking with a friend. It's not really supposed to be for anything else. But I've recently learned that there are many other blueprints for writing stories. I already knew about Save the Cat and a bunch of other stories written more recently, but apparently at the same time as the hero's journey, other ideas were developed that have kind of not become as mainstream. And they are still used, but very rarely and for very specific purposes. And the one I'm most interested in right now that I'm trying to really understand, it's called the heroine's journey. So there's the hero's journey, but then there is also the heroine's journey which doesn't have to be about a female character, and I don't know all that much about it. I've just seen the bullet points, I've heard a little bit about it, looked into it a little bit, and I just wanted to play with the ideas, kind of like how I did a lot of the Hero's Journey stuff. Because when I was younger, I learned the classic story arc thing, you know, the rising action and all that. You know, the the three-act structure of, you know, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end... And there's a rising action, and there's a climax. And you kind of get beyond that when you start actually writing real stuff. And Hero's Journey is just sort of extension of that. And there's arguments on what amount of acts you should use. I like to use four, where you do the first act, and then you do act two, you split it in half. So it's act one, act two A, act two B, and act three. Or you can just call it one, two, three, and four. I think when you look at it like... I've taken a lot of stories and, like, broken them down mathematically and tried to figure out the most balanced way a story can flow, and I think the four-act is the best. I tried five for a while. I tried three. I think four is great because it's, like, it's kind of perfect. But I don't know anything about Heroine's Journey. Barely anything. I basically just have a bulleted list, and I'm going to try to follow it. But because this is talking at no one, I can't just do that. i got to do even more impossible stuff. So I thought, hey... I've been watching a lot of Disney movies lately. What if I wrote my own Disney movie? So that's already hard. And then I was like, well, this heroine's journey thing is interesting, so maybe I can use that for something. And then I was like, I've always wanted to see gay Disney princes, and it never happens. So I'm like, how can I combine all three of these into a nightmare that's either going to be way too short a video or way too long a video? This podcast is either going to be insanely short or incredibly long, I don't know how I'm going to make it a normal length. But I've been thinking about this idea for days, and I'm stuck, and I've been kind of nervous to record this. 
because I'm not really sure that I know what I'm doing or that I really should be doing this at all. But I need a podcast to come out this week and I don't have any other ideas. So this is my Disney movie. Now, I've been thinking about it a lot and I based some stuff on my own personal life and tried to create, you know, Disney characters that I would like to see. And I've come up with a couple of characters. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through this list of what I've created so far. Then I'm going to go through the heroine's journey and then I'm going to try to mush them together. So here's the idea I came up with. I have a couple of characters that I wanted to develop. And I don't want to just do my seven question thing where I ask the questions and go through it. Because that would be easier and that would get me done with this faster. But I want to really try to give this shit some justice. To really go in. Really care about this idea. So I basically have a couple of characters I've come up with. And I want it to sort of fit into this heroine's journey archetype thing. And a good example of a heroine's journey movie that I've seen, like, fairly recently, is uh, Beauty and the Beast is supposed to be a heroine's journey, which is part of the reason why I wanted to look into it. Because if you try to break that down into hero's journey, it doesn't work. And it's because it's not written that way. So, here are the characters I've come up with. Uh, For this main character, I came up with this character named Ashton Crow. I think it's a cool name. I think Crow is a cool last name, and the story revolves around the Crow family. So, the main character's name is Ashton. He's a creative type, he's a playwright, he's an actor, uh, and he's sort of a a fancy man in a non-fancy place. And then we have his brother and his father, who are both named Shane. They're Shane Sr. and Shane Jr., and they are the Crow family. And the basic premise of the movie that I'm trying to build is I want to follow this character, Ashton, As he goes through the heroine's journey. And then I also kind of want to do a romance thing on the side. With a male character. And try to get this gay Disney prince dream we've always wanted. Even though neither of them is a prince. Just, I just want a Disney movie. I just want a movie like Frozen and Luca. That's like blatant. I'm definitely not going to top Luca. Because that's my favorite Disney movie now. But whatever. So, um, that's the main family. Uh, The father is an everyman, and he's a hero to the town, and he keeps everything running. He's the gravedigger, that's like his main job. He also cuts firewood and and sells it to everyone around the winter times. So he keeps everyone's houses heated, he keeps all the graves nice and tight, he cleans everyone's lawn. He's He's the miscellaneous town worker that keeps everything going. Ashton's brother is a guard that works for... There's sort of a medieval time, and he's kind of like a cop for medieval times. And the reason he does that is because their grandfather was a soldier. So the idea is is that there's very patriarchal themes in this. And I want it to be all about, you know, the heroine's journey is all about masculinity and femininity. So I wanted to play into that. So the idea is that his father is a man's man, and his brother is following his father's and his entire family's footsteps as a man's man. And he doesn't belong in that family. And that I also kind of wanted him to be adopted. And the idea is that this Ashton dude does not feel that he belongs. And he wants to fit in. But what he needs is to find where he truly excels. He needs to stop trying to fit in with these people. And fit in with people more like him. Or he needs to accept who he is. And understand that he doesn't need to be like other people to connect to them. I don't know. It's a little too close to my own personal life to be honest. But that's sort of the vibe I was going for. So the basic 
premise of this entire thing is that Ashton must fight against himself to find where he truly belongs, at home or in the city of shining lights telling stories and entertaining the masses. And the log line for the entire story is, when his father is framed for stealing from a duke, Ashton must track down the treasure with the help of a streetwise rogue named Johnny. Now, I wanted the love interest to be the exact opposite of Ashton in every way, but also kind of in common. So, I came up with a ridiculous name. I just came up with Johnny. Uh, to be honest, I kind of based it on Johnny Five Aces, this mythical internet character that isn't really that important to explain. If you know who it is, you know who it is. But I, I, call, I called him Johnny Ace, which is such a stupid name. But whatever. This movie is written for 13-year-old me. So if it seems terrible, that's why. And I want the big bad guy, I've always wanted the big bad guy in any movie to be a pencil-pushing bureaucrat. Like some kind of tax man or like a, an IRS guy. Somebody in charge of money, an accountant or something. But I was like, that's not big enough. What's the closest thing I can get? And I thought, a duke. Dukes are always synonymous with money and greed and being assholes. And they're kind of like the medieval equivalent to sort of a, a powerful and rich asshole. So that's sort of the idea I have right now. And I definitely wanted to write some songs for this at some point, even though my music sucks and I never feel good enough writing an entire song. Um, I do want to eventually, in some table reads down the line, maybe make some actual music with this. And I've thought of some song ideas, uh, and I definitely want to start it with, like, a super manly work song that everybody's singing about the dad. I just, I really have that idea stuck in my head. That's the main inspiration for this entire movie is that I love the, the songs where it's like dudes with deep voices at the beginning of a movie. Like in the beginning of Frozen, they have the ice, uh, the ice cutter song, which is really fucking good. And then in the beginning of The Hobbit, they have the mountain song. I really like those like deep like super deep work song things. And I wanted to come up with, you know, a, a bunch of different, I really just wanted an excuse to write a bunch of Disney songs, but I'm not going to be doing that in this one because it would be impossible to do quickly. Uh, and also I'm nervous enough as it is. I don't need to add that on top. So that's the sort of idea I have. Family, they're manly men. One of them isn't a manly man. He wants to tell stories and act and, and play pretend. And he's more lighthearted and he's too soft for the world, and uh, he has to fight both society and himself, and event he's going to end up saving his father by being who he really is. That's, that's the idea. So, from what I've seen of the heroine's journey, this is what I've gotten so far. Okay. In the beginning, there's a lot of... Every time I see this, there's, like, different interpretations. Just like with Hero's Journey, all the points sometimes get muddied, and they you see these, like, posters with, like, different descriptions of what each of the things is but the general consensus of what i can tell is i, I kind of want to compare this to the hero's journey just so i understand it more in the hero's journey there's the idea of the other world and the idea of a story is you start in one place that is safe and then you go someplace that is magic and different and then you come back to the place that is safe and you have changed usually you want something and then at the climax of the story you get that thing but then you are tested in whether or not you learn the lesson and you end up losing everything so that you can actually get what you really wanted, what you needed. And then you go back home and you're like, yo, I won. That's the point of most stories. 
Now, the heroine's journey, from what I can tell, still has that. But instead of this mystical world being a place you go to fight external threats, it's a place you go to fight internal threats. It is no longer the other world, it is the within world. So, in the heroine's journey, it's very gendered. It talks about feminine and masculine, and it's called the heroine's journey for a reason. Because it's originally designed to write stories about women breaking from society and embracing both their femininity and their masculinity in order to become self-actualized. It's about women fighting the patriarchy. It's, it's the basic idea of this entire story structure is that society is imposing some sort of archetype or ideal on a main character and they have to, they have internalized against this ideal and they have to understand it, accept it, and embrace the parts that are good and subtract the parts that are bad. So at the beginning of this story is the separation from the feminine. And based on my, you know, three days of research from what I can tell so far, the basic idea is that someone acts a certain way and society doesn't like that way. So they change to make society happy. And that is what the separation from the feminine is. So in this instance, our main character Ashton is an effeminate, indoorsy guy who doesn't like the rough and tumble, doesn't like to fight, doesn't like to do hard-working manual labor. He likes all the things that he's not supposed to like according to society, especially in medieval times. But this is sort of that Disney medieval where it's not really medieval, it's just sort of fantasy time. It's basically just like a D&D &D universe. But in this case, he's gonna have to realize that He's different from everyone else and that he has to change to be like them to make others happy. Then, in the standard hero's journey, from what I can tell after this, you're supposed to do a bunch of things checked off the list. You're supposed to be in a normal world, you meet them in their haven, their safe haven, everything's good. Something happens that calls them toward the adventure, there's, there's a catalyst that happens, some event that sets off all these things going off. And then the inciting incident is what that catalyst caused. It's the big event that happens and everything breaks crazy and goes nuts and they are forced to save or to do the thing. Usually in between those two, they'll have the refusal of the call where they basically say, okay, I don't wanna be a hero. I don't need to do that. Then they usually meet a mentor that's gonna be with them for a long time, like Obi-Wan kind of thing. And then they cross the threshold. So whenever I'm writing, I always think, okay, what's their safe place? And that's where I get all my seven questions from, is I come up with the cast and the idea, like the concept, the cast, you know, get the basic idea. And then I go, all right, where are they when they start? What is the safe place? And then how do they leave that place? Which is what this is. It's crossing the threshold. And in Heroine's Journey, I'm not seeing a lot of detail in this. I see identification with the masculine and gathering of allies uh, leading up to the road of trials. Or in a different words, um, uh, there's so many little descriptions of this. I really should go read the official book and get really in depth, but I just wanted to get into this. But all right, let's stop getting heady. Let's get into the actual story. So I want to start it with we meet Ashton. And we need to learn where he fits into society. So I want to have my workman's song, which is going to show us how Ashton fits into society and how his parents fit in as well as how his father, his brother, and him fit into the hierarchy of the town. 
and I want to follow basically how the town sees the father, how the father sees the town. And the idea is basically that in this song, you're going to get most of this, which is that the father is this everyman, outdoorsman, grave digging, wood cutting man's man. And everybody respects him and he's a pillar of the community, but his son is weird and his son is off and his son isn't like him. So we're going to get this sort of vibes of the three characters, which is the father is loved by everyone in the town. He's very important uh, pillar of what you should be. His brother is trying to be like his father, but isn't as good. He's sort of a lesser version of the father. He's, he's just trying to be like him, but he's not doing it his way. And then Ashton's whole thing is that he falls behind all of them and he just doesn't fit into this society. So why would he be like his father? Like what event would occur to make him reject the feminine? That's what I need. So we immediately in the beginning, we're going to understand, okay, this is who Ashton is. He's a hippy dippy, you know, music playing, story writing, acting, feminine dude. And his family is not that. And everybody loves his family. People think he's weird. So we got that classic Beauty and the Beast of like, Belle, she likes reading too much. Nobody in town liked to read. Belle's smart because she reads and she's special because she reads. And her dad's an inventor. and Everybody thinks he's crazy. So we get that in this. His dad is loved by everybody. He's a hardworking dude. His brother isn't as good as his dad. And he is nothing like them. What can we do to show who he is and how he fails sort of thing, right? Because we want him to reject his own self. So we needed an event to happen that, like, causes him to want to change. Man, there are a lot less... There are a lot less bullet points on Heroin's Journey. Heroin's Journey almost needs Hero's Journey to exist. It's so short. <laughs> wow. God, man, it really does want you to just, like, really get in there. Okay, maybe I need some further reading. Okay, let's... I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia now. I'm gonna get a little bit more in-depth. Okay, I'm not wrong about how I've set up the story. Okay. So, usually in the beginning of the story, our heroine uh, will distance themselves from the feminine. So, I got that going. I just need to figure out why he does that. They're still tied to their femininity sometimes, but they're trying to distance themselves from it because of outside pressures that they've internalized. And then here's the step that doesn't show up on my little bulleted list. Identification with the masculine. Our heroine must identify with masculine values. This can be portrayed as a father figure or traditional male role model in the society. So I was right about that. Usually you're supposed to have a mother figure in there. I wanted to do the Disney thing of having the dead mom thing. Maybe we could see the mom first. I just don't want to do a super sad parent dead thing. Nobody ever talks to gravestones anymore in movies. I want that. That's where I want to start him. I want to have him talk into a gravestone. I think that's a good start. Okay, here's my idea. Okay, we open on medieval town. Music plays. We see the town as it operates. We hear this manly workman's song about chopping wood and digging graves and mowing lawns. We hear the townsfolk sing about the guy who's been singing what he's doing. So the workman is singing, and then the town is like, this guy's great. They're the chorus. We see behind him, he's chopping the wood, he's digging the graves, he's cutting the lawn. People are watching him. Then his son is chopping the wood and digging the graves and mowing the lawn. 
and almost as good as him. But then his other son, his adopted son, the son he found, is chopping the wood, but not very good. Is digging the graves, but not great. <laughs> and is tricking his brother into mowing the lawn. We see the difference between all these characters immediately. We see the disappointment on the father. We see a small smirk from him as the son is tricking the brother to do his work for him. The dad likes that, but the son doesn't see it. And there is a relationship between these three characters. We get it immediately. Two sons want to be like their dad. One of them tries really hard. The other one isn't good at any of those things and decides to do their own thing. We get that song, good to go. I immediately want to cut from that straight to Ashton just explaining, not in an exposition anyway, but I want him to just be complaining about everything. I want him to be like, I hate this place. I suck at chopping wood. I can't dig a grave. I trick Shane into doing my work for me. And that's kind of fun, but I'm tired of doing all this. I just, I just want to tell stories. I just want to sing. I just want to dance. I just want to go to the city of lights. I don't want to be here anymore and never fit in here. And I wish somebody could just help me out. Could just tell me what I should do. And then you cut and immediately he's looking at a grave. He's talking to his mother's grave. That he's just talking about his, 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 the things he's mad about that he doesn't want to talk to anybody about. And we immediately get all that. So we need him to do something that his father likes. So he can do more of that thing. Because in the identification of the masculine in the heroine's journey, the father usually praises the heroine for doing something masculine and kind of ridicules the feminine traits. That way, they're sort of incentivizing the person to be like, yeah, you like all that, that you know, non-manly stuff, but you're doing this one thing, and we really like it when you do that. So I think we need to get more of the two brothers together, and then we need something he does that makes his dad happy that he will then continue to do. And I think these should come from two different traits. I think his fast-talking, like manipulative side which is a more feminine trait in media at least the way he tricks his brother into doing stuff i think that's his real strength is his ability with his way with words and his way with story with understanding people and story and like all this feminine stuff is him understanding the world and then being able to understand people because of it so i definitely want that to be a thing he's good at but i also want something manly that he's good at and i think I'm just going to pick something, like shooting a bow and arrow. Like, he's somehow good at that. And that's the one manly thing he's got. So that's enough for him to be like, alright, I'm going to do this thing. Okay. So, he's talking to the grave, and there's no answer. And he's just sitting there, and he's talking to himself. And then I want his brother to just pop up right next to him. And his brother is literally digging a grave, like, five feet from him. And his brother is just going to pipe up and be like, are you done? We have things we need to do. Uh, and we can follow their sort of list of chores they do throughout the day. So the two of them can work together and we can get a lot of interaction between them and see that one brother does all the heavy lifting and then one brother does all the talking. Um, and that the, the older brother does a lot of the, the harder work because the younger brother is sort of tricking him. But he, he's not really tricking him. The older brother is just doing it because that's how it's always been. Like, I want their relationship to not be, like, mastermind and strongman, but I want it to be, like, he picks up the slack 
but it's more fun because his younger idiot brother is there to entertain him. So he's fine with it. So the two of them are doing chores, the older one's doing most of the work, and then the younger one is making him laugh and entertaining him, which is enough for him to go, all right, fine, I'll do the, I'll do the chores kind of thing. Okay, here's where I want to establish the overarching villain, which isn't just the Duke, but it's society in general. It's money. I want money to be a big villain. Um, so what I want to establish is they're doing the chores, and then they make it home, and there's a debt collector at the door. In that moment, we're finding out about all this like debt stuff, and Ashton's learning about, like, oh, maybe we're kind of screwed about this whole Duke thing. Something's going on. The father owes money to the Duke. Maybe the business isn't working as good as they'd think. And he kind of gets the guy to leave, and then he asks his dad about it. And he's, like, trying to ask his dad. And while he's trying to ask his dad, his dad and his brother, maybe they're, like, hunting or target practicing, maybe. Um, okay, so... Um, Shane and the, I'm just going to call the characters Shane, Dad, Ashton. Shane's the brother. So Ashton finds out that something's going on with the debts and stuff. And he's trying to get a hold of his dad. He's trying to talk to him about it. But his dad's being distant about it. And then Shane is going to be a royal guard. So basically the idea is that the dad is ignoring everything the son is asking about this. Instead asking the brother about how he did the chores and what he's doing now and... Hey, if you want to be a guard, like you said, we got to train. So they walk outside and they're shooting with bows and arrows, shooting at hay bales. Ash is trying to get hold of his dad. He's getting pissed off. He's trying to get his dad to listen about this whole debt thing. Maybe there's a side thing he's trying to, like, he was pitching an idea to his brother the whole time they were working together. And he wants his dad to hear this idea and be proud of him. But his dad doesn't give a shit. And while this is all going on, it's pissing him off. He's getting all mad. People aren't listening to him. He has all these ideas and he's not being rewarded for them in any way. So he takes the bow and he shoots it. Perfect shot. Shoots it again. Perfect shot. Splits an arrow in half. He's a natural. At this point, his dad embraces his skill, but not the ones that he wants. Maybe instead of practicing, someone has showed up. It's like an, like a, like an interview type thing. So like... They're all at the shooting range, all three of them. And there's a fourth person there. It's a recruiter for the guard. And basically, we're seeing the brother do all these, like, trials. He's, like, using a sword and, like, cutting through mannequin dudes with swords. Or he's, like, doing, like, sword fighting. And he's, like, pushing through heavy doors and, like, kicking down doors and stuff. And then he goes up to the last part of the test. And he's shooting his bow and arrow. And the dad and Ashton are standing there waiting for him to get to the end. And while his brother's doing all these epic-ass trials, no-scoping and knocking down doors and doing cool manly stuff, he's talking about all these crazy stories he's been working on and all this stuff that he cares about and kind of annoying his dad while his dad's watching the actual cool stuff. And he's also trying to talk to his dad about this, like, problem that's happening with the debt and everything. And at the end of it, his brother comes out, shoots the arrow, it's all good. And then he walks up at the end of it, and his dad's happy for his brother, but he's kind of jealous and mad that he's being ignored, even though it is clearly his brother's thing, and he's kind of interrupting and being kind of selfish about all this. He picks up the bow, he shoots it, perfect shot. The recruiter immediately is like, oh, he should, he should be with us, he should join the guard. So he refuses, and he walks away, and he basically throws the bow away, and he's like, I don't want to do this, I want to tell stories, I want to go to the city... I want to matter. 
he's talking to his brother and he's like, I don't want to do this. This is your thing. This isn't my thing. I don't want to be a guard. I want to tell stories. I want to be famous. I want to matter. I want to go to the city of lights. But his brother looks at him and he tells him guards matter. And he starts talking about his dream of wanting to be a guard. Dad was a guard. Grandpa was a guard. We've always been guards. And I think you should be one too. You're such a great shot. Plus, I could really use the help. The recruiter really likes you. So, we cut forward three years later or some shit. He's a guard now. And we've officially gone through the road of trials. We can get sort of a montage of all those big events. Of him, you know, boot camp and uh, different guard duties, stopping criminals, all that stuff. And we get immediately to... The illusionary boon of success, or just otherwise known as the illusion of success. So it's at this point that we're supposed to get, we're supposed to be pretty far in the hero's journey. We're actually kind of skipping a couple of steps. So maybe I should stick those in there. All right, we just did refusal of the call. So maybe I shouldn't rush over the whole guard thing. Okay, this is going to sound crazy, but maybe the brother is the mentor. Because I don't really want to do, like, cool recruiter, he's the mentor, he's going to, like, usher them in, or he's going to turn out to be bad or some shit, because I don't want any of that. I want his brother to be the mentor. I want his brother to be like, yo, this is how we do this thing. The problem here is that I want to get to this point where the dad gets arrested and he has to go save him. He has to go to that city of lights he wanted to go to. But I'm kind of rushing, and I definitely, even though I'm supposed to be doing the heroine's journey, I still need that hero's journey in there. To help me structure it. Because the heroine's journey doesn't exactly have that much structure. I think it really feels like it's something you add on top. Okay. So. Um, maybe the recruiter should be the mentor. Like we get this rugged manly dude that's like I'm the recruiter guy. Because we don't have a villain yet either. Like the duke is a villain yes. But I feel like the duke is more like a metaphorical thing in society. I feel like the this recruiter definitely should be like hmm. Okay, I'm getting too heady. Okay. Ashton joins the guards with his brother. So we get boot camp, classes, trials, and then graduation. Maybe when he goes back, maybe when the brother describes, like, pitches the idea to him, he also says, the guards go to the city of lights. The guards matter. Maybe this can be a stepping stone. So we can get the crossing the threshold and all that in this sort of montage moment. Do we need the father to be framed and kidnapped? That's the question. That was my original idea, is like this dead man shows up and the dad gets taken away and then they sort of have to do something to fix this. I don't know, maybe I can have the dad visit and something will happen in the city. Okay, so maybe maybe I should 100 foot view because we're, we're very long into my recording. Okay, we have a family. They're called the Crow family. Ashton Crow, um... His brother and his dad are working men. They do a bunch of work stuff related to the town. We start with a workman's song. We learn that Ashton's father's a big deal. His brother is following in his footsteps, and he doesn't really fit in. Then Ashton is talking to someone about everything that he hates and everything he really wants to do and his dreams and all that fun stuff. And then it turns out, oh shit, it's his mother's grave. His mom is dead, and he feels like he doesn't belong. Then we see his brother basically being like, are you done? And the two of them are doing their daily jobs. And we see what their daily life is like together. And how the brother works really hard and picks up the slack, but the brother is really funny and has a lot of crazy stories that the, you know, the older brother likes. 
They go home, and there's a debt collector at the door. And Ashton kind of convinces him to leave and kind of tricks him with his charming and his skill, with his storytelling. He tells a bunch of ridiculous lies to get the guy to leave. And then he and his brother and his dad all go to the shooting range for his brother to take the test to join the guards. He's being recruited. If, if, if the recruiter likes these people in this like trial, he'll take them in and they can go to the school. So his brother does all this epic stuff and... Ashton is just like telling his dad a story and like kind of annoying his dad while they're in the stands watching all this. And he's like, so yeah, I did. This is the story I was telling him. He's like, oh, I was like this and I'm like, I'm doing that. And this and he's like, and then the debt collector came and I was, I told him this and I tried, I got him to leave. And then the dad's like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Whatever. I'm watching, I'm watching this show. And then his brother fucking runs in, shoots the final arrow. Recruiter's going to take him in. Later, they're standing by the stands, and they're, like, happy for the brother, and he's being all selfish, Ashton, and his dad is basically like, look, you can, you can be a part of this, or you can just keep being weird, and he gets mad, he pulls out the bow, and he fires it, perfect shot, the recruiter sees it, and is like, hey, you should have your brother come along, too, to the, to the, to, to Shane, he's like, hey, you're in, if you can get your brother to come. The two of them talk. He's like, look, you can join in. We can do this. And he's like, I just, I don't want to do that. I want to go to the city. I want to be famous. I want to matter. And then he says, guards matter. Guards get to go to the city. If you join with me and you help me through, then we can both go to the city and get everything we want. So he says, fuck yeah. They all join the guards. They both bond. We go through all this like boot camp and trials and we get to like this whole zero to hero sequence of them being like, all right, we're awesome. And they make it. They enter the City of Lights, and they get everything they wanted. And they get an epic song about the city and how, how cool it is and cultured and exciting. And they get to talk about the carriages and the, the public transportation. And we get all these fun little jokes about cities and city life, but in, like, medieval times. And then after all of that, now they're in it, and they've made it. Everything's great. He's gotten exactly what he wanted. His life is awesome. But deep down, he's not getting what he really wants. Maybe we can hint at the sexuality thing here a little bit. Uh, okay, so Johnny gets everything he wants. His brother is happy. He's happy. He gets to take acting classes or something. He gets to be in the culture of the city. And he's temporarily happy. And they're both at a bar, and his brother is, like, trying to get laid or something. And he's kind of uncomfortable about being a guard and being in this whole heteronormative situations. And then he sees this guy, Johnny, in the window. And we get the meeting with the goddess, otherwise known as the Descent. Crisis falls upon the heroine, and the masculine traits they have learned fail. The crisis can be death in the family, mental or physical disability, or loss of self-identity. Here, the heroine must reconcile with their feminine side. The hero meets with the goddess figure, who represents all the positive values of femininity that she left behind. After this meeting, she is inspired to return to femininity. That is so unbelievably perfect with the idea I already had. So yes, Johnny is the goddess in this situation. Johnny is this sort of feminine, wisecracking, charming, um, like, street thief. And he shows all the storytelling skills and the acting skills and all the skills that Ashton has that he never uses. And he's using them... To get what he wants. This guy. This Johnny dude. 
Okay, instead of a bar, I want this to be like a, a, a ball, like a royal royal ball or whatever. Okay, here we go. This is where the story's gonna pick up, baby. This is it. Oh my god, I am so happy that I did this. Okay, man, the process really does work, doesn't it? Okay, his brother is happy. He's happy. They're at a ball for the royal guard. They're officially members of the guards of the city. They're finally like their grandfather and their father before them. They've done everything they wanted. And they're in this epic royal party. And he is incredibly uncomfortable. He doesn't feel like he fits in here either. Which he thought he would fit in here, but he doesn't. And his brother is fitting in just fine, but he's like dancing really bad. And he's kind of awkward, but he's just going with it. And he's just sort of there. Ashton's just kind of there for moral support for his brother. And that is when he dances with Johnny. This mysterious suave fancy dude shows up and crashes the party and sneaks in and he's actually there doing something shady but he doesn't know what it is and there's sort of a batman catwoman vibe going on and at that exact moment the party is amazing johnny's great everything's going great ashton is finally happy for once and then boom the doors kick open or maybe we do like a hangover like they wake he wakes up the next morning hmm how do we get the father into this situation? Because I was going to be like, the door gets kicked open and then someone runs in and they're like, your dad is being put to prison for stealing from the Duke or something. But I don't think that works. I don't think the Duke thing is going to work now. I was going to have Johnny like steal something and it's their fault. So they get in trouble for it. But I don't want Johnny to be the bad guy. I don't want him to be the source of all of it. I think his dad should be at the ball. That's what we'll do. So he's dancing with Johnny. He's at this ball, his brother's there, his father's there, everything's great. And then suddenly he notices Johnny up to something, sneaking off. And he follows him, and he finds out, oh, he crashed the party and he's not really here. And the two of them kind of hit it off and actually dance, like, outside. Maybe that's where they actually dance. Like, they're not allowed to dance inside, but he sort of is dancing with the dude in sort of, like, this sword fighty kind of dance. Like, maybe they will get, like, a, like, he's gonna catch him. Like, he, he yeah, that's, that's what we'll do. So, he is chasing after this Johnny dude, they're fighting in the streets behind the thing, and then they start dancing slightly, and there's sort of this tension, and then, boom, doors open to the main ball, and something has been stolen, and everybody runs out, and they're like, oh, the Duke's, the Duke's gold has been stolen, the golden diamond, or whatever, <laughs> the golden diamond, the gold-encrusted diamond of the Duke has been stolen, the, the Duke's diamond bib has been taken, so in this moment... All locked down, Johnny gets away, and something has been robbed. And we sort of go and see what's going on, and we find out that uh, that the father's been framed. And someone stole something, and since the dad has outstanding debts, and there's a bunch of evidence in his carriage that he stole it or something, they think the dad did it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. His dad's in prison, and he goes to talk to him. And then him and his brother are with his dad, and his dad's like, I didn't do it, I didn't do any of this. And his brother is looking for the real thief. And his brother looks to him, and Ashton's like, I can help, I have a lead, I know, I saw somebody at the, at the, at the ball. And he says, I don't need anything from you, this is a job for a real guard, stay out of this. You're not a real guard, you're just a kid playing pretend. Ooh, and that cuts to the core, and it also shows him that he isn't really this masculine man that he was trying to be he's someone else and he needs to embrace that so we get the next part of the heroine's journey the yearning to reconnect the heroine wants to reconnect with their feminine side 
and may try to rekindle a bond between them and in their old case the mother with them and the mother figure but in this case there is no mother figure they may also try to go back to their previous style of living however they will discover that they are not able to return to their old lifestyle they once lived however they will see that their old traits and values from a different perspective oh my god this is fascinating heroine's journey fucking slaps dude reconsolation with the masculine another crisis falls upon the heroine and they must look inward and understand the masculine part of their identity they will recognize that there are positives and negatives to their masculinity god that's fucking fascinating the next stage involves healing the unrelated or wounded aspects of their masculine nature as the heroine takes back their negative projections of the men in their life this involves in identifying the parts of their themselves that they ignored their health their feelings refused to accept their limits, told them to tough it out, or never let them rest. It also involves becoming aware of the positive aspects of their masculine nature that support their desire to bring their images into fruition, which basically just means make their dreams come true. Help them speak their truth and their own authority. And then finally is the union, which is in the final stage. They will fully accept and understand both sides of their true nature, they will find a balance between both sides and actively work towards keeping that balance. They must become a spiritual warrior that demands that they learn the delicate art of balance and patience for the slow, subtle, and integration of the feminine and masculine aspects of their nature. Okay. Okay. After his brother tells him that he's not a real guard and he's just a kid playing pretend, he's broken and unable to help. And Ashton goes into the underbelly of the city where he sees Johnny again. And he recognizes what is good about himself in Johnny. The things that are good about him that Johnny has in common. And he realizes that those things aren't weaknesses, they are strengths. He also recognizes with his sword skills and his bow and arrow skills that he isn't just a weakling. That he's so much more. That because of his brother basically tricking him into helping him out and being a guard and learning how to be a guard. He bettered himself and he became more like his brother and his father. But now that he understands the parts of himself that they don't have, he can use all of those things together to save his father. So in the end, Johnny and Ashton team up and steal back the diamond bib from the recruiter saving Ashton's father. And in the process, they also work with Shane and they all reconcile and everything works out. In the end, he saves his father and he learns the truth that his father always loved him, and that it's okay to be annoying and quirky and flirty and tell stories. And that doesn't mean that he's not like his family. And he learns how to fight with a sword, and he's a pretty cool badass. The end, sort of. I like it. I like what I've come up with, and I think it's an interesting story. There's a lot of room in there to work with. There's still a lot of things that need to be done to make that a full story. I can definitely see, using the hero's journey, that there's some pieces missing. But I think that's a pretty good concept and, like, overall plot. So to sort of simplify it, we have a guy named Ashton whose um, brother and father, he doesn't relate to them. And he's got all these skills, but they're not recognized. And then he accidentally gets his brother hired to be a guard because of his skills so together, they become guards so that he can go to the City of Lights and achieve his dreams. And then in the city, they're all happy, and they have this big royal banquet that they're at. 
and their father's there and everything's great and he sees this shady looking dude and they kind of fight in the street behind it all and they kind of dance a little bit together and then boom the doors open turns out that his father has been framed for stealing from the duke and his brother runs off to save him himself and he learns that his brother basically says at him trying to protect him that he's not a real guard he's just been playing pretend this whole time and all this work he did to be more like his brother and his dad all this manly shit of learning how to fight and doing all this you know masculine stuff that none of it mattered and everyone still sees him as who he was so he ends up embracing those things teaming up with johnny of all people who everyone else would also not like just like they don't like him and together they get the thing back prove the father's innocence and get the brother to join them and they all take down this the recruiter that basically got them in the first place turns out to be bad he's still he's the one who stole the stuff and they end up taking everybody down and uh, his father finally tells him that he loves him basically i think that's good i kind of want to add a subplot that i originally had where i want the duke to be the one behind it all it's like an insurance thing like, the Duke lost something, it was stolen from him, but it turns out it wasn't. He just gave it to the recruiter, and the recruiter made it seem like he got it stolen, so he would, you know, basically insured it and make an insurance scheme. I know it's such a weird thing to throw out of nowhere in, like, a medieval, like, fantasy Disney thing, but I don't know. The Duke being the bad guy in the end, because the Duke and the recruiter, I just think that's fun. I just, I, I always want to put in, like, anti-corporate messages. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, his dad was framed by the Duke to make it seem like he stole because he owed them money. But actually, they were just screwing him over so they could make more money. I think that's good. I think that's a really cool story. And I can't wait to write those songs. You know, there's the Manly Cutting Wood one, and then there's the uh, Time in the City. Maybe we'll get a montage song, too. And doing chores, maybe. Maybe there'll be a song for that. Maybe Ashton will get a song about how he does he doesn't fit in. Uh, Johnny will definitely get a cool-ass song. Uh, I definitely want him to have a bigger part, but, I mean, he's the goddess in the story, so he doesn't really get a lot. He's basically the Princess Leia, if you think about it. So to go through the heroine's journey, you got the separation from the feminine, which is him saying, okay, I'm not gonna be, you know, who I am, I'm gonna be a guard. There's the Road of Trials, where he's learning to be a guard, and he's helping his brother do it. Then there's him at the ball, everything's great, the illusion of success... Then there's his descent into the underbelly of the city, having lost his father, you know, whose father's in prison now, and he wants to save his father, but he doesn't know what to do. And then there's him and Johnny truly meeting. He reconciles with his feminine side, reincorporates his masculine side, and then unites them and saves his father. And then if you looked at it in the hero's journey, he's living in the simple small town. His brother's going to get recruited and moved to the big city. He also gets the opportunity to move to the big city, but he doesn't want to do it because he wants to go there for his dreams, not for his brother's. His brother and him meet the recruiter who basically brings them in there and trains them. They cross the threshold and they go to the city and they've made it. I might have to add a little bit more in here for like their fun times in the city. It might be more than just one song. It might be a couple of little things that happen, like friends, like side characters might come in if I add more. Uh, approaching the innermost cave is the ball, and then the ordeal, the big event that occurs, is his father going to prison. And then, because this is a, a heroine's journey and not a hero's journey, 
instead of the re the reward, the road back, the resurrection, and the returning of the elixir, which is basically just them getting what they wanted, but then it turns out everything's bad, so then they gotta go back, and, you know, all is lost, and then they win, and then all that stuff sort of happens at the same time in a heroine's journey here. But I'm sure I could reorder things if I needed to. But yeah, I really like this. I'm glad I did this. And, uh... That's the story. We should probably give it a name, shouldn't we? And also, this isn't Gay Disney Princess as much as I wanted it to be. I guess I'm going to have to do that a different time. But this is more about uh, embracing who you are, but also learning from others. I'm just going to call this episode The Heroine's Journey. Um, I don't know what to call this movie. Ashton Crow, The City of Lights, The Guard and the Thief. I actually kind of like that. I don't know. Ashton Crow is a pretty good name. So, thanks for listening. If you liked this, please give Apple, YouTube, and Spotify a reach around. Do all the things that they like. Subscribe, review, please give us reviews. I know no one's actually listening to this right now, but maybe in the future someone will be listening to it. So please review this podcast, give us five stars so we can spread. And I hope you enjoyed me rambling nonsensically at myself, trying desperately to write a movie that no one cares about. Anyway... Thanks for listening. Bye.